1: We're back we're back we're back We're back. i think i prefer taping on this day um, monday i do because i feel like my life belongs to the live with your academy on sunday so
2: okay so is monday our new day listen i, I think so Talking shop schedules i know <laughs> this is how the sausage gets made you guys
1: exactly you gotta make the donuts so this is you getting to see all the the behind the scenes but yeah i think i i like it i was like i like this day because Monday's also like for, for, um, business, I take a day off of, well, I'm supposed to take a day off a week and like, like everybody who I work with knows they're not supposed to like send me stuff on Mondays. I mean, I still work on Mondays, but it's just, I don't have to, like my schedule is completely empty, you know? Mm. And so, and then like for Sierra, my COO, she's the other like super hard hardworking staff. Uh, she gets Wednesdays off. And so just because we tend to work on weekends sometimes. Not always, but sometimes. So it's like no matter what, even if we work weekends, you get this one day off, you know?
2: Yeah, it's like people who own restaurants. Restaurants close on Mondays, right? Exactly. that think it's the same kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I'm having – I had one of the most Monday Mondays ever. Really? Why? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it started out with um, – I got off a stop – like my brain malfunctioned. You know, when you just – you do your routine, you know exactly which stop to get off at, I don't even have to look for the names of the stations. It's just I feel when it's my stop coming up. And today I just – I don't know what. My brain – I just had a short circuit. I need a software update or something. But I got off a stop early, which was really annoying. And then I had to wait like you know forever for the next train. And then – you don't take the train to work every day, but you know what it's like. Like it's crazy trying to take the train. Like there's always a mad dash. And you know when you're the first person off the train and you're like right by the staircase, you better go. Because you have like the entire, you know, this entire army coming behind you, bearing down on you. And I happened to be the first person out of the station and I ran down the stairs and I was like, oh, my God, they're coming for me. They're coming for me. (laughs) And then when I was trying to go back up the stairs because you have to go down and then up, um, my shoes caught on the staircase and I went down Uh so hard, so hard. And I couldn't, and it hurt so bad. And then you just, you can't stay there because you're going to get trampled. I
1: was just going to say that. <laughs>
2: like So I felt like a, like a, the weak link and like a herd or something. So I like got out and like ran to Starbucks. Um, but Yeah, that's how my day started. So I'm icing my knee right now. Those steps are no joke.
1: Yeah, no, they aren't. Honestly, it's like the city, like it and New um yeah, New York Penn Station, like if That morning commute, that like 8.30-ish, and then that afternoon or evening, what? That evening commute, first of all, it's... I can't even imagine if I was coming from another country. Like, I'm I'm afraid as a Jersey girl who, like, you know, is no stranger to the train. Like, if I get caught out and I have a meeting and I happen to have to come back at like between four and five, I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Because everyone gathers. There's like a bajillion people stuck together looking at the little board. And it's like when, they, when it changes to your train, like...
2: Track yes. three, then everyone yo, Manny, that's like the scary thing. Yes. Like, a, <laughs> it's like when they release the horses at a race yeah. or like a dog race or something. I, yo, and if you don't get out, get out the way. People are like, get out the way. I mean
1: I think to myself, yo, what if I like had a kid with me? I would just be like, you know what? I'm gonna go eat dinner and come back an hour when it's not like death. It's crazy. It's dangerous.
2: Yeah. And you know it is. I always think of the city. I know people, you know, we don't drive cars here, so people may think that um, you know, our commutes are somehow easier, but I feel like it's just as treacherous. And like walking on the New York City sidewalks is like commuting. It's like you have your lane, you need to pull over to the shoulder if you're gonna do things like text. Don't try and text in the middle of the road or stop in the middle of a road. Yep. You need to signal before you turn sometimes. It's like it's it's insane. And people are people are Correct. mean.
1: They yeah, are. Because, you know, everybody yeah, it's crazy. People who normally wouldn't be like Evil, they will push you. And you're like, oh, my gosh, that's my shoulder. They don't care.
2: So solidarity (laughs) to anybody who had, like, a hellish Monday morning commute because I feel you, man. But the day turned around. Coworker brought in cookies. Yes. That's always nice. And one of my girlfriends just happened to be in the neighborhood, and I had a nice long lunch. And sometimes you just need, like, a little pick-me-up.
1: Today was, like, the most productive Monday I had in a long time. Like, this morning, like, I woke up a little bit before my alarm. And I was like, today, you're not going to do what you normally do. You're not going to hit this alarm. Because I, I started going back to the gym in the morning at 6. And typically, 6 is when my alarm goes off. And then I don't leave the house till like 7.30. And then I catch the traffic back. And I told myself, Tiffany, we're not doing that today. And I was like, today, you're actually going to do work today. You're going to make your to-do list. And you're going to like things that you've been waiting forever to do, you're going to get them done today. So I'm like literally in the bed, eyes still closed, halfway out of REM, like coaching myself, like, you got this, you got this, today's <laughs> going to be different. And I was like, and I've done this before. And then I wake up and have the same day I always have. But today I was like, look at you. I mean, I didn't get it at six. I did 630 because I was like, honestly, I can't. But I did get to the gym and I added. So I'm doing this thing at the gym where when I first start, like I work best when i add little things on like if like my best friend um drina when she goes back to the gym she has to go back hard but not me or well, i'll never come back so week 1 was just go to the gym and do 20 minutes of cardio and go home that's it so yeah. now we're in week 2 and well stretching first and then 20 minutes so now week 2 is stretching abs cardio go home so that's what we're doing all this week and then week 3 i'll add something else on because i need to like slowly bring things on. So today I started off at the gym. I had my to-do list. I actually, typically I have either inside or outside product days, meaning like I'm either going to be inside all day and like knock out all my inside work, but I'll never make it to like, you know, run errands or I'm like ripping and running errands all day long. And today for the first time in I don't know how long I actually got all my inside work done. And I hate going to the mail, like to like mail stuff or and, you know, I had to go to Staples and some other crap. And I actually did it. I was like, who are you? And I got back in the house before um five. And I was like, Tiffany, that pep talk works. Because, you know, entrepreneurial life, people just think, that's why I don't like when people try to make it seem like entrepreneurial life is like the most awesome thing ever all the time. I mean, don't get
2: me wrong. It looks terrible. It can be, honestly.
0: It, looks like real. it just like,
1: takes so
2: much self-motivation, you know? It
1: du- When I say self-motivation, and th- literally there are weeks when I'm like, well, who are you, Tiffany? Yo, there are weeks when I'm like, if people only knew this has been HGTV binge week and have done nothing. <laughs> and I'm just like, and people will say to me stuff like, girl, you know, I didn't want to buy you because I know you're so busy. And I'm like, uh, I'm actually in my PJs right
2: now. But okay. We need, <laughs> we need to do once a week, just post a real like a in real life image on Instagram, like I'm going to post the fifth hour of my seven hour America or Great British Bake Off marathon, which I indulged in on Saturday. That's what and I baked pretzels like that was I literally that. my entire day was pretzels and watching baking shows and like a little bit of Netflix you know like I think people need that like little breath of fresh air like oh yeah you're humans and you're not always on Yeah, you you can't be you can't I like what you said too about not trying to go back to the gym all at once because um I do what Drina does too I'm like okay I'm gonna I'm gonna I just I don't want to just lose 10 pounds I got to run a half marathon in two months you know and when you set those crazy expectations like you're just setting yourself up for failure not to mention if you try and do too much at once when you get back to the gym after a while, you just get so sore yep. that you can't go the next day.
1: And so because what I really told myself, because, you know, sometimes you just like, oh, like, honestly, in the last, I want to say year and a half, I've gained like 20 pounds. This is the biggest I've ever been. I Like, I've never – typically, like, my max weight for me, so I'm 5'8". And, you know, like I always had a little booty, you know, I'm African. So I'm like, okay, but I'm I'm slim. Um, My build was typically slim, muscular, like my whole life. My dad's side of the family is short and muscular. My mom's side is long and lean. So I was like a perfect blend between the two slim, muscular build. So I always looked slimmer than my weight suggested, you know, so people would look at me and be like, what are you like, 120? I'm like, yeah, try 145. So, I never minded weighing a little bit more, but my max weight used to be like 165. And I'm like, 165 was like, ooh, got a little booty, got some thighs. I never really have much of a bust, but still look slim. Girl, I'm like 183. I'm like, who is this woman? Harpo, who does? And I'm like, when did this happen? Of course, Superman is like, yes. He's like, <laughs> my max. He was like, just don't go over 300. We good. I'm like, 300, dude.
2: <laughs> oh, I remember you said that. Yeah. I, that's, I wonder if every man has a limit.
1: <laughs> I'm sure they do. But see, but 300 like,
2: looks different on some people. Like some people, yeah. it just depends on your body type. Yeah. And you're like, I don't even think for your height, uh, that weight isn't even that bad. Like, but I know what it feels like when you, when that's like enough, 20 pounds is enough to where your, your pants are feeling tight. Yeah. You can't wear everything is. you want to wear. And yeah. that's, that's demoralizing. Yeah, I and that's really what, that's what it like.
1: is because I didn't notice because like in the mirror, I'm like, okay, I definitely see more butt and more thighs. But I didn't really notice until like I'm putting on my jeans like and I'm not I don't typically wear like tight, tight clothes and I'm putting on my jeans and that are like a half a size or a size larger anyway, because that's how I like to wear my clothes. And there I can't even wear them. I'm like, wait, did these shrink? And then I tried another pair. I have like 20 pairs of jeans and I'm like, wait, wait, none of these fit. And I'm really like, honestly, it took me a minute to realize, wait, am I bigger? <laughs> Scale. i said what is this number and i said okay tiffany like 20 pounds that's a lot in a year so we're gonna
2: need <laughs> i could i could gain that in a month <laughs> i ain't scared i shoot you can get you that's just that's just like that's the kind of weight where if you just give yourself you know five six months and like just change a couple of things you can get you can get back to fighting weight I just want to, you know what it is? It's less the weight, more the, okay,
1: Tiffany, you live like a sedentary lifestyle because I'm like always sitting in front of a computer and I, I just want to get back into regular exercise and decent eating. Like, because that used to be me. And then one day I just fell off a cliff and literally it was nothing for me to have like, oh, it's nighttime. I'm hungry. Let me have some ice cream and some cereal. And oh, let me went to the store to get a Snickers bar and it's midnight. And then, like, not have moved all the day before or that day. And so I'm just like, Tiffany, we have to move at least three times a week and eat eat decent, you know. You don't have to, like, you know, I'm not going to not have pizza. But at the same time, I'm like, I need a salad in here every once in a while. So, you know, that's like I'm taking that approach to just life in general, business, like, I used to think, like, I have to be a beast and go hard 24-7. And I'm like, yeah, you don't. I mean, you can, but all for what, you know. So instead, even, like, with – with, like, business life, I'm learning, like, when to chill and, you know, when to be like, all right, it's beast mode. But, you know, that whole, like, Gary Vee is is awesome, but I could not live that Gary V lifestyle where every single second it seems like it's scheduled for beast mode. I'm like, how exhausting. I feel like he's going to drop dead one day on one of his videos. <laughs>
2: um, I feel like well, I'm, I'm over the whole beast mode hashtag. For, I have this one friend who uses it all the time. Um, but I, I think there's I I think too and like people posting about you know I'm doing this I'm doing that and like here's my to-do list here's how much I've accomplished I don't know how much of it like are they really happy doing all that and like being at that level of exertion like all the time because you only can do so much like I may be killing it at work like before the wedding I was I was killing it with wedding planning killing it with work having a terrible social life and like bad eating habits I feel like you can't like I can only do th- two things maybe amazingly at one time mm-hmm. and then you're going to have to like kind of be nice to yourself and get back to um, you know, trying to just find – like there's never going to be a perfect balance I don't think. It's like – I read a really good quote one time about how you have four burners in life. I'm going to try and remember the four burners. Like one is family, one is health, one is friendships and one is work. And you can't have all four burners on at one time. You really only can do three max at one time. And the other burner is just mm. going to have to – and it's not like a – it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just – you just have to sort of like get in the – like be nice and the, to yourself and then expect for not everything to be going amazingly at the same time. To me though, the better word is like harmony
1: where it's like, okay – You know, things are working together as they ought to, because sometimes because balance assumes that everything is equally weighted and harmony assumes that it all is working together collectively, even though this thing might be a little bit heavier at the moment than the other. So I'm just working on harmony over balance.
2: I I support that. Well, this is like no balance.
1: Exactly. This is um. I was I this totally. I remembered um this uh article that I read recently about Steve Harvey. Did
2: you see this about his email? Was this the one where he's really mean to his staff members or something? Yeah. So he he wrote an email, and I guess
1: you tell me what you think, and I'll tell you what um I think. So he's. I'm just gonna like paraphrase it. Steve Harvey wrote an email where he says, like, let me see, maybe I can at least read one line of it so you can. Okay. good morning, everyone. Welcome back. I'd like you all to review and adhere to the following notes and rules for season five of my talk show. There will be no meetings in my dressing room. No stopping by, popping or popping in. No one, all caps. Do not come to my dressing room unless invited. Do not open my dressing room door. This is all caps right now. If you open my door, expect to be removed. And then back to regular, my security team will stop everyone from standing at my door who have the intent to see or speak to me. I want all the ambushing to stop now. That includes TV staff. You must schedule an appointment. I've been taken advantage of by my, ta- by my leniency, lenient policy in the past. This ends now, all caps, no more. Do not approach me while I'm in the makeup chair unless I ask to speak to you directly, either knock or use the doorbell. I'm seeking more free time for me throughout the day. Do not wait in any hallway to speak to me. I hate being ambushed. Please make an appointment. I promise you, I will not entertain you in the hallway and do not attempt to walk with me. If you're reading this, yes, I mean you. Everyone do not take offense to the new way of doing business. It's good for
2: my personal life and enjoyment. Thank you all, Steve Harvey. (laughs) I'm telling you, moms across America are laughing their asses off right now and desperately wish they had this letter. And they could like give it to their children, like when moms across America just want to like read a book or I don't know go number two without anyone walking in the bathroom. (laughs) Like,
1: (laughs) yo, it's so Um, funny you said it. I went to go visit my nephew today, and we were playing, we were having a good time, and then I had to go pee, girl. Because my sister, she of course was home because she has the um niece and my niece and my nephew, so she's home. I just came to visit. I went to go to the bathroom, close the door. You would have thought that, like. I stole his favorite toy. He was screaming outside the door, like, come back, but, like <laughs> screaming. And I was that like, wasn't on his schedule. Thinking?
2: He didn't tell you you can use the bathroom.
1: I And I was looking at her like, so how do you pee? She's like, uh, I kind of don't. I just wait till he falls asleep. I was like, oh uh, my God. Yeah. Yo, he was losing his mind. I'm like, Roman, I, I'm, I'm just here. I'm just. I just have to pee. he was just like, I don't care. I don't care what you have to do. We're playing. We're having a good time. Maintain. And I'm like, wow. Seriously. So so what do you think about like what, he has to, what
2: Steve Harvey's like? I 100% understand where he's coming from. I, like last week, it just, there was just, we have a small open concept office, okay? I've had open concept offices for the my entire career, I feel like, since I moved to New York they're all the rage, you know, no walls, no doors, just, you know, everyone's collaborating and creative, but that shit gets so annoying and distracting. And like, sometimes you just need to sit in a quiet place and just focus on your work and not be distracted. And Mm. last week I got really frustrated and I was like, I'm just going to go across the hall to this room and just like lock myself in here and have some quiet time. Um, and I, I, I understand completely like that, And I'm sure he is like, you know, being Steve Harvey, being the boss of anything, people are constantly pulling you in a million directions and you need to have boundaries. I think the tone of this email, I think, (laughs) would make me if I were if I were an employee and I got this email, I'd be like, well, I'm never talking to him again. I'm afraid of him. Like, I wouldn't approach him at all. There's a lot of rules in here. How could you remember all this? Like, I'd be like, wait, did he say that I could talk to him in the break room? I can't remember. Or was Yeah. Only by the elevator, like what you know. I think it was a little intense.
1: Yes, yeah. it's clear that this was written out of sheer frustration. Yeah, it's
2: hard because when you have
1: it's clear, this this is what it read like to me. Something happened, knee jerk reaction. I'm typing this the Kermit. Type on the on the. But I completely understand and agree with the premise of what he's saying. That basically, like, because one. Like, let's just say, you know, he's walking down the hallway and you're like sharing important information. Like, I don't like I'm the type that if you have to share something with me, I'm going to need to write it down. You know, this is important. So like you sharing it with me, this is a casual walk. How do I process this part of the business while I'm not, you know, I'm not in that mode if I'm sitting and getting my makeup done or hair done or whatever. So that I completely understand having time set aside to handle um, different tasks is important. Um, so I completely understand that. Um, but you're right. The tone was like you're right. It, the tone was a little scary. But it, to me, as an entrepreneur, it reeks of um, frustration versus that because people were like, oh, you know, Steve Harvey is too big for them britches. I mean, I'm not a huge Steve Harvey fan. I mean, I, I mean, you know, I'm kind of ambivalent. I'm, you know, I take the good, take the bad. But um, so I didn't think that he was sounding like arrogant, that's not what I read to me. To me, this read as extremely frustrated. Somebody must have done it again, and he was like, what you're not gonna do is, you know? It also Um, sounds
2: like he doesn't have a structure in place to where there's someone there to field those questions for him. Like, maybe he has taken on too much of the responsibility behind the scenes for the show. Maybe everything requires his stamp of approval, or everything requires his input, and he set it up to be that way, and now it's coming back to bite him. Yes. It sounds like he needs like someone to help him. Like he shouldn't be like you're the star of a show. Yep. I don't think Oprah was dealing with this crap. You know, I'm sure Oprah had a very a, a, amazing. Like I read somewhere, I listened to the making of Oprah that podcast you told me about, mm-hmm. and it really sounded like her team did all the, you know, yeah. was really doing the legwork and so she could do she could do her own work and show yeah. up and be the best, you know, Oprah version of herself. Be. Yeah. Yep.
1: And I you're think You're right. That's exactly what it sounds like that he and and i think a lot of um entrepreneurs do that that it's their baby so they want to be included in everything but they don't realize like uh if you're included in everything that's everything so everybody comes to you versus there's sort of like a like um you know there's an order of operations like okay because that used to be me but now i finally had to relinquish and sierra like my C.O.O. she is that for me like I don't I used to like everybody used to be like, hey, Tiffany, hey, Tiffany, hey, Tiffany. And I'm like, well, I I have to write this proposal or I have to prepare for the speaking engagement. And I couldn't because I was always fielding like, can I go over by two hours because I'm not finished with this? And can I now I don't deal with any of those things anymore. Sierra really is like, let me operate. I am the you know, chief operating officer. Like that's what I'm supposed to do, and I was afraid of because I'm like, well, what's happening? No one's telling me things, and she's like, because things are running smoothly. I can't tell you it has transformed everything. So, yeah, he he clearly has not. It's not just enough to say, "Don't talk to me," because clearly these are conversations that need to be had. Yeah, so who There's are the reason to talk they've been coming
2: to you? And exactly, you need to set up a. You can't just take away, and it also made me sound like even if he has people in power that they're not working together because they should be able to resolve issues it's like when your mom says like when we used to call my mom fighting four kids on summer (laughs) vacation at home by ourselves ripping each other's throats out we'd always call mom things would escalate and her response would be work it out amongst yourselves i cannot handle this right now click you know and we you know whatever someone would die obviously (laughs) we would to work we wouldn't have a choice she had like removed herself from the from the from the situation it sounds like he needs yeah he needs like he has like a bunch of kids fighting or something and they don't like there's not really anyone with authority besides him
1: yeah so i just thought that was like a little like because people were
2: really polarized on it and i was like oh you know let's talk about it oh i can tell you if it was a woman It would be a whole. It would not even be polarizing. It would be like this bitch, this diva, blah blah blah. Because isn't that always the rumor about women and Mm -hmm. power—is that they don't want you to look at them or talk to them or something, um, and be totally misconstrued? But I—I mean, he's problematic for other reasons. Yeah, so I was like, but
1: to me, this—I was like, to be fair, I get it. Although the delivery was a little wonky.
2: Yeah, it sounds like he has bigger problems at play here
1: exactly. And I
2: don't really it's not really surprising. Um in in other news, I just saw today, are we I can't help but feel like has the memo not gotten out that like rules against how young women should wear their hair in schools oh, can I end up that. being racist and um marginalized students because I just saw another headline two young African American Actually, they may not be American. They may be Canadian. Oh, no, Massachusetts. Yeah. So two young black female students at a charter school in Massachusetts were kicked off their sports teams and banned from attending prom because they had the audacity to wear their hair in like braids.
1: Braids. I don't don't understand.
2: This is just outside of Boston. Apparently, this you know charter schools? So they can make their own rules, right? Like they're kind of like – an alternative to the um, traditional sort of public school system, right? Is that how they basically work?
0: Mm-hmm. So
2: apparently, public well,
1: schools are, are public schools, yes, but they're public schools that are funded like differently, yeah. But they act they act outside of public schools, kind of. But yeah, go ahead. Um,
2: so they apparently have this strict dress code, and one of the rules is like I actually want to read the policy because on its face, it sounds, um, it sounds. Uh, Racist or it sounds like discriminatory against African-American uh, – African so I'll read this. It says a dress code policy on the, student, on the website says, students cannot wear drastic or unnatural hair colors or styles such as shaved lines or shaved sides or have a hairstyle that could be distracting. In parentheses, extra long hair or hair more than two inches in thickness or height is not allowed. This means no coloring, dyeing, lightening, or streaking of any sort. Hair extensions are not allowed, um, and on and on and on and on and on. on. So this basically completely bans any natural hair. Like my hair was like six inches tall right now, you know,
0: with my natural
2: hair. Like this is the hair I I wash, I go out in the world, and it becomes six inches high. So I would be banned. I would get kicked out of this school. But you Um, know, that's just crazy because it's like – I guess what really is so crazy to me, it's like
1: so – That's like saying, if your skin is brown, you cannot attend. You're like, well, girl, you know, I was born like this, right? Like, like my hair, I don't, I'm not manipulating it to be this. It just is this. So what you're saying is that I have to be unnatural in in order to be acceptable. That to me is just insane, crazy, and totally racist. Oh, Lord, I'm weary, right? You read some of these things and you're just like, oh, this world sucks. (laughs) (laughs)
2: it's a mad world it's a mad I mean we're it's I mean this was happening before the you know current leadership changed in America but it it just makes everything seems much worse doesn't it feel like everything that happens now it's like and Trump is president (laughs) 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 can't even look for comfort at our black president anymore and have hope Now it's like all signs of pointing to terrible.
0: (laughs) Hey, BA fam. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.
2: Yeah,
1: and now it's time for Brown Break, Brown Boost, Brown Break, Brown Boost. I wish you could see me, my shoulder, I'm doing like this hand thing where I'm like, you can hear it, right? Like, brown break, brown. I'm doing, like, this little shoulder shimmy. And, like, you know, my, my hands are, I'm giving jazz hands. And they're, like, pumping the air. Brown break, brown boost. So, just, I just painted wanted to get it a really good picture. Yeah, so you could see me. <laughs> you know, just a little something for the fans. <laughs> I hope that was not too long. So, I was telling Mandy before we started taping that um uh, Superman and I were at a... Um, a first-time homebuyers class that he has to take in order to be uh, certified and so he can get, like, a certain um, mortgage. And um, when we were in there, a guy comes up to me. He's like, oh, my gosh, are you the budgetista? I was like, "Nista, but close enough. And he was like, oh, (laughs) budgetista. (laughs) And so I can't remember his name. I think your name is Jamal. I can't remember, though, because I have a bad memory. But anyway, he said he loved the podcast, you know, but we chatted too much in the beginning. I'm like, dude, like, that's what we do. So I
2: hope that wasn't too long for you. Jamal, I think, you know. And Does tell you he also represent- want us to smile more or something? <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> no, he was really nice, though. But he was like, it's a great podcast and that, you know, we're doing great work. So, shouts to you, even though I should have gotten your name down. But I'm sorry. You know who you are.
2: It's okay. <laughs> so, are you breaking or are you boosting? I'm going to do a, a break and a boost. I feel like every break should be followed by a boost. That is the way it should be. So, my... I'm going to take a break. So my break is going to be insurance deductibles. Now, I know you're all falling asleep right now, but I don't know (laughs) if you've noticed if you have insurance, but like deductibles are becoming increasingly – and I mean like increasingly like record levels of health plans have deductibles where it's like you pay money for health coverage and then they're like, okay, thanks for your money. Now we're going to need more money before we actually start giving you insurance. And it's – I've never had a plan until now. I guess I've been really fortunate that has a deductible. So when I – for example, my deductible is $1,000 and that means anything beyond like my preventative care, like my little $10 copay or whatever it is, $25 copay for my physical um, or pap smear or whatever, anything beyond that, I have to pay out of pocket. Uh. Um, So for the first time – this year, I've really taken advantage, and this is going to be my boost. So the break is deductibles. I feel your pain, and I'm a single person. Um, my deductible would be way higher if I were a family. I think the average—I um, mean, some plans, some plans for families, like if you have a couple kids, can easily be six, seven thousand dollars deductible for the year. Um, so if wow. your kid, like you know, breaks their arm or they need, like, you know, you need need care beyond the preventative stuff that's covered, you know, 100% under the current healthcare law, which, you know, may change, Um, then, yeah, you have to pay out of pocket for that crap. So deductibles, boo. So one of the questions we get a lot at Magnified Money and one of the things that I've learned, especially this year having a plan with a deductible, um, is how to get discounts for paying for uh, out of pocket for services. So I realized, and I, I should have known because my dad has been playing this system for years because he's he's like hardly ever had health insurance. And when you pay cash for things, for example, I need um, I need to get a tooth taken out, which I've needed to take it like for a year. I've had to get this tooth taken out. I'm currently negotiating with my dentist to try and get a more affordable cash rate because oh. my insurance isn't covering it. Um, okay. So they're giving me like five hundred dollars off what they would typically charge the insurer. Oh, oh. and what Even. I'm gonna do? Well, um, what I tried to do, well, what I kind of did, but I didn't put enough in there. My plan was to put a, put enough money in my flex savings account, um, my flexible savings account, which is an account you can create. Um, a lot of employers offer it, and you can put money into your FSA. And it's pre-tax dollars, and you can use those pre-tax dollars to pay for medical expenses, copays, even some over-the-counter medicines. Like I think I paid for um, uh, allergy nasal spray, and it was covered by my copay. I think they even covered a heating pad I bought one time. I forget. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, any any time I go to a doctor, I use my FSA debit card, or I pay for a prescription, I use my FSA de- debit card. So my it's plan was smart. to, yeah, and I and I've really learned a lot about FSAs and I and I found out that um, my husband doesn't even use his FSA and I'm like, we all need to have FSAs because <laughs> um, I mean, I even use it to buy my eyeglasses. Um, so my glasses are a hundred bucks and buy – you by paying for my glasses with pre-tax dollars, I'm basically saving like 15, twenty percent depending on what your tax bracket is. It changes like how much you're actually taxed. So that's my boost for an FSA. If you if you even if you don't have a high deductible healthcare care plan, if you buy things like glasses, contact solution, even, um, if you have to buy new contacts a couple times a year or you just want to, you know, get a little discount off your basic copays, I would highly suggest looking into getting an FSA. And it may seem complicated, but it's well worth it. Um, and even some employers, you can get your – so some employers have an FSA where – and this kind of sucks – where you put the money in and either use it or you lose it. Mm. So at like December rolls around, you're like, Oh God, I got to go to Dwayne Reed and get everything. Um, But some employers are now, so my employer, for example, um, we can uh, roll over anything under $500. So I have a little bit of a cushion, but if you sit down like I did, and I was like, okay, I'm going to have to get this tooth taken out. And I'm adding up, I'm kind of estimating how much I'm going to need for my healthcare expenses for the year. And I just put that onto my FSA and then hopefully it kind of all works out. So I'm getting, I'm negotiating the the cash rate for paying out of pocket at my dentist. And then I'm also going to be paying with my FSA card and hopefully saving, well, definitely saving more on top of that.
1: That's a great um, boost. You had me looking into it. I'm like, Superman. FSA, Look at
2: that. baby. And then if you have, and just real quick, if you have a high deductible health plan, there's like a certain benchmark and it depends on whether you're and I don't want to get into the nitty gritty, but basically, if you have a really high deductible, like mine's only a thousand, that's not considered a high deductible. Um, if you have a high one, then you probably have what's called an HSA, which is a health savings account, which is very—it's very similar to an FSA. It's where you put money in your account before taxes come out, so you can have tax-free money to use for your um, out-of-pocket healthcare expenses. But the better thing about the HSA is that you can take it with you. It doesn't there's no um, you know use it or lose it rule. So definitely, and if you guys have, we we don't really get a lot of questions about um, the cost of healthcare, and I feel like that's definitely something that people out there are dealing with. So if you guys have any, you know, medical or or you know, debt situations, even that's a huge um, and common problem that people have is medical debt. So uh, if you guys have any issues like that, don't be a stranger. Don't be a stranger. Oh, and I guess uh- I should say where you can send questions to. Yeah, just go to brownambitionpodcast.com or email us at brownambitionpodcast at gmail Dot com. I'm back. So
1: I'm going to boost. I'm going to boost. And my boost is going to be Black Girls. And here's why. So I'm not sure how I feel about the title, but Forbes just put out an article today. And the name of the article is, is The Next Trend in Leadership, Black Women. And I feel a little somehow about... The word trend. Oh, black women are in now. I know. Let's, we are. let's promote them. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't know if I like the word trend, but I, you know, I definitely want to say that there is definitely this surge in um, not in black girl magic and black girl awesomeness, because clearly it's been here, but the surge in recognizing it. And so the article, uh, I guess the person who wrote it, they attended several. Um, like either conferences or events. And one of the events I was a part of, it was um, for this company called Genie Box. It was uh, at Google um, in New York. And they had like a, I forget the, the name of the group at Google. It was like either black women in tech or something to that effect. And they invited Jeannie Box and Jeannie Box invited me and a bunch of other awesome, amazing women to speak. And I got to do a keynote, which is pretty awesome. And um, it just was dope because there were all these different type of just all this brown ambition in the room, um, representing whether it's like there was Veronica Webb, for example, who is a supermodel, one of the original supermodels, but then there were also women in business who you're like, and then there was um, Jamila La, 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 LaRue LaRue, she's like, um, an editor, she's been an editor at Ebony for a long time, and and so there were just all these amazing women who were there. And um, I just think that I just want to give a boost to that that in all of this darkness, there's this bright, brightness in brown girl awesomeness and black girl awesomeness and it was just nice to see even though i didn't like the whole fact that it was a trend like i said we've been out here we've been here but finally y'all are starting to recognize i mean not y'all because you know y'all are brown ambition but y'all as in as in the world at large are starting to recognize All right, so that's my brown, my brown Boost, Black Women, and that Forbes article saying the trend part.
2: Absolutely. So shall we move on to our question? Yes, question. So you can come
1: back now, Jamal, even if that's not your name, that's your name now. So you can come back now. We're going to start talking about <laughs> just calling him
2: Jamal. He's like, it's Jeffrey, <laughs> but thanks, <laughs> budgetista. Yeah. <laughs> Well, he's like,
1: you know what? I'm purposely calling you that from now on.
2: (laughs) He wanted you to know that he was a fan, but like not such a fan that he would get your name right.
1: (laughs) Right, he's like, take that, take that.
2: (laughs) Oh my gosh. All right. So questions. Questions. Yes. So today's question just comes, we'll just call her G, since I'm not sure if she wants to be out there or not. Um, She has a question about refinancing her student loans. Oh, she just says, it's fine to use my name. Thank you. Her name is Grace. I love that name. Me too. Grace. What a pretty name. Okay. Grace says, "Um, I'm considering refinancing my student loans, federal student loans. Mm -hmm. I have a little over $37,000, perfectly normal, with an interest rate of 6.8%. And over 100 payments left. My question is, I'm worried about the security of this public service student loan forgiveness program. And this potential seven to eight year window that I have left. And just as a side note, if you guys aren't familiar, if you have federal student debt and you work for a nonprofit or a public organization, a government organization, basically, um, after making 120 on-time payments for your federal student loans, you are supposed to be eligible for public student loan forgiveness. And I don't know if you guys caught this, but about a month ago, I want to say, but maybe yeah, April or March. There was this big story in the New York Times. I don't think it got very much attention, but basically the public student loan forgiveness program came about in 2007. That was um, uh, about 10 years ago. And obviously – 120 on-time payments is 10 years. So the first class of people who were supposed to be eligible for this public student loan forgiveness that they've been promised you know, for the past decade came forward. Obviously, they're starting to come forward and be like, so how about that student loan forgiveness? Can I get these loans taken care of? And it turns out that a lot of them are finding out that their jobs didn't qualify or Uh. this one job did qualify. But then when you move jobs, they didn't. And so they're finding out that it's not as – you know, shockingly, that it's not as, that it's not as cut and dry and easy to get that public student loan forgiveness as it's, they sort of make it seem. And it's Mm. kind of a complicated thing. And you have to make sure that your employer is sending every year that your employer still counts under the public student loan forgiveness program, which you can figure out by calling your loan servicer, um, directly and, and discussing it. Um, and you also have to reapply, I think every year, get your, um, Um, I think you have to be enrolled in the income-driven repayment plan. And when you're enrolled in income-driven repayment plans, um, you have to call every... Not call every year, but you have to recertify um, your enrollment every year, which I think mainly it means you go to the website and you submit your income uh, once again. And then they just sort of say, okay, cool, you're still enrolled in this this plan. And you have to keep doing that for 10 years. So anyway, um, I had to give all that back that background, I guess, to sort of like set up the context for what her question is. So mm-hmm. um, she says she has 107 payments left, and now she's worried about this, the, the security of this public student uh, loan forgiveness program because she still has about eight years left. Um, she shows that if I forgive my loans, I'll be able to defer $12,000 um, of the total loan balance plus interest. Um but if I were to refinance my loans, that would save me six to $10,000 over the lifetime of the loan right now. So I'm wondering, if it's, is it in my best interest to stick it out and wait for the public service forgiveness and hope Congress doesn't pull it? Or should I just switch over now um, with our current political climate? I have six months of income saved for a rainy day, so I'm less concerned about the benefits of deferment and more concerned about overall payments toward the loans.
1: Did she say how much? Um, how much would be forgiven at
2: the end? So yes. So her, um, she's looked at her schedule and it says that if she were to have, if she were to wait, um, and stick, keep making her payments, and then wait for the next seven, eight years to go by and get the rest of her debt forgiven, she would save twelve thousand dollars, and that includes the leftover balance plus interest. Okay. So she stands to save $12,000 potentially if this public student loan forgiveness program goes perfectly for her. If she refinances and gets a lower interest rate – remember her interest rate on this $37,000 loan is six and 6.8 percent, which is quite it's high. high. Yeah. So if she were to refinance, she'd be saving between six dollars and $10,000 over the lifetime of the loan. Uh, okay. And this is actually – it's an interesting question because my it is. My, um, Enrique, my husband is going through the exact same thing, that same conundrum because he's got, he's got about $20,000. He's in a bit better shape because only one of his loans is at 6%. Um, but he's got about $20,000 and we just asked our planner, we keep going back and forth. We just asked her finally, you know, is it a good idea? Like, should we count on this public student loan forgiveness or should we just go ahead and aggressively pay it down and just get rid of it? Um, and I think she's done the right thing by actually doing the math first. And I'm going to – I mean it's really up to you. It's sort of – I would say – I'll tell you what our planner says, okay? She's a certified financial planner. I'm putting you on the spot, Helen. She okay. said I would not count on this government program mm-hmm. being there seven to eight years down the line. I would not, I would not bet on it. Um, anything yeah. can happen. And it's, it, this was an Obama-era policy. Anything yeah. can happen to this program. Because there was a program
1: like this before Obama reinstated it, and I applied for it when I was still teaching preschool, and um, President Bush um, had um, dismantled it. So when I went to go apply, they're like, oh, yeah, under this president, it's no longer. So that's very real because I, I remember being a teacher. This is before, you know. Over ten years ago, and I remember trying to apply for because I'm like, "Oh, I'm a teacher. I teach in Newark. I totally qualify." And it's a not only am I a teacher, but it's also a nonprofit—double whammy. And they were like, "Yeah, unfortunately, this program is no longer in existence." I'm like, "Wait, what?" Mm-hmm. So that's a very real fear. So, question: So, the um, is she is she refinancing um, with the federal government or with a private student loan company?
2: So, when you have federal student loan debt, you actually can't refinance it. You have to do a debt consolidation. And it's actually not a good option for her because all that happens when you consolidate your debt through the direct loan program, the federal program, is that they take the average of your interest rates. So it sounds like all her loans are 6.8%, so she's not going to save anything. So her question, her second question is, if I do refinance, how do I pick um, a a refinancing option? So this is where these new lenders, these new alternative um, refi lenders come in like SoFi common bond. This is what they're doing. They're taking people's um, uh, student debt, private and federal, and um, bundling it into one loan. And then they give you um, a reduced interest rate. And that's how you save. And of course, the pros and cons of refinancing student loan debt, which we've talked about before, but just real quick. The pros, obviously, you save money on interest because that's awesome. And it can help you get better organized. Like If you go to school, if you go to college for four years, you have a loan every semester. That's like eight loans when you graduate. Mm -hmm. Um, And people may, and it's hard to keep track. And so it's easy if you just refinance everything into one individual loan at a lower rate, then obviously it just makes things easier to manage. But when you do that, you have to understand, especially if it's federal loan, um, if it's a federal student loan, then you're going to give up your flexible repayment options because you're swapping out your federal student loan for a private loan. These companies are private. Um, and that's just something to consider too. Uh, so if you feel like you are struggling to make payments as it is, um, I, you, you just have to think about it. There won't be a safety net necessarily. There's no, you know, private lenders don't have forbearance or defer, deferment. You know, mm-hmm. it's, they may, but it's at their own discretion. It's not like the government where it's set in stone. Um, but so my planner basically said, don't count on it, just go ahead and pay it off. And that's my that's my personal thing. I I like the active approach to paying down debt. I don't feel like, and it also just kind of feels like we're relying on, like we're in a position where we can pay it down. You know, it's not like we're really struggling, like we can afford to put extra payments on it. So I'm like, why not just do it? You know, we took out, the, you took out the debt, you know, you got the services that you needed the debt for, you got your education, let's just pay it down because we can. Um, and it sounds like Grace is in a, a good situation too financially. She's got six months um, of income say for a rainy day. It sounds like she maybe could afford to be putting a little bit more towards her debt and paying it down. Um, so I could see how she maybe would, you know, take a similar approach and maybe not count on this program being around and just kind of pay things, refinance to get a lower rate, and then just sort of attack her debt um, a little bit more aggressively.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I mean, it, I agree, honestly, because, you know, my just because seeing how a program like this can be here and then not here is definitely, you don't want to, I mean, it's a long time. If you told me six months or something, I might be like, oh, you know, but like seven to eight years. I mean, who knows? We can have Armageddon then. so <laughs> do- <laughs> That's true. We've already had Armageddon. It's called the election. I'll be here all night. Um, but yeah. No, I agree.
2: And um, I can post, if you guys are out there and you're wondering what some great student loan refi options are, we have amazing um, resources I can post some links to. Um, if you go to our website, Brown Ambition Podcast, every episode's on the website. Sometimes I'll post some links too, to stuff we talk about. So I can post a couple of helpful articles. And her, her very last question was, how do I decide between a fixed or variable rate loan when I'm going to refinance? So- Typically, variable rate loans have a lower rate, right? In the they're, yeah, they're a little bit um, you really need to read the fine print when it comes yeah. to variable rates cuz variable it means it can change. Yep. But um and they could they could say it's going to be, you know, 1.2% for the first 6 months and then we're going to yep. start jacking it up every 6 months after that. Yep. Um, and you just have to sort of read the fine print and and, and see if you're really going to be saving. Fixed rates, you have the comfort of knowing that you're going to lock it in and they can't change it around on you.
1: Yeah, and that's, I was gonna say like, variable, it sounds great at first because you're like, ooh, so low. But then, you know, if it's like, usually typically a variable will be like variable for a year, five years or whatever, and then it could be whatever. And that's the scary part. Um, I prefer fixed. I remember my first mortgage was, uh, it was one of those, it was like, it started off as fixed, and then it could be variable like five years later. And, you know, I I lost the house before it got to that. But I was like, yeah, we're never going to do that again, because it was a little bit scary because I didn't even know if I was going to be able to afford it later. And so I typically lean toward fixed unless it's something that I know I'm going to be out of before that that rate change is going to go into effect.
2: Yeah, I was just gonna say that if you if you look at the variable rate terms and you're like, I can pay that down in three years, then yeah, do it because you know they tell you that it's gonna be a certain rate for three years and it'll get jacked up after that. Then if you're sure you can do it in three years, definitely. But if especially for you know you have thirty seven thousand dollars in debt, I don't know if you'll be able to do that and you know before those variable rates start to change. Um, so it might be smarter to go with um, the fix just to lock it in. And i think it's usually with sofi because i'm most familiar with sofi and their their refi their student loan refis i think that the 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 difference between the fixed and the variable is like a percentage or two um not super terribly different yeah hopefully so, that was helpful i hope yes grace i was gonna say hopefully. it wasn't super it, i hope it wasn't really confusing but that was an excellent question Um, And if you guys have any more questions, public student loan forgiveness, um, that that New York Times article had me shocked because how, I think for the past, how many years have I been writing like six, my entire career as a personal finance reporter and editor, I've been talking about this public student loan forgiveness program. And there's this, now there's this huge question mark over it. Um, And I'm interested if, if any of our listeners have had issues, if you're part of the class of 2007, and you're coming forward to try and get your loans forgiven, if you're having issues, um, definitely send us an email. It's podcast at gmail Dot com. You are on it tonight. Yeah, I am. <laughs> She's back. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Do you want to take another question or do you want to wrap it up with wins? Let's wrap it up with some wins. All right. I got a win. I got a win. Let's hear So I've got a win. We talked about this a little bit earlier, but I want to give a shout out and a win too. Let me get their names right. Let's see if my Nigerian ancestry will allow me to keep my Nigerian card by getting their names right. So two Nigerian sisters created sunscreen for black skin. Let that sink in. No pun intended. <laughs> um, I'll be here all night. Folks. Oh so. man, that was bad. <laughs> so, uh, Nigerian girls. Oh, look, they look like I think they're Ibo, which is what I am. Um, Chinelo, Chidozi and Indidi Obidoa. Hey, yes. Okay, so these two Nigerian sisters. Um, they wanted to create. One, what I love is that they wanted to. We we spoke about Avita and her um her lipstick last uh, um, podcast, and I just love when um folks create things that know not only create a profit for themselves, but there's a purpose behind it. So one, they're wanted to they wanted to create you know this awesome product for women of color, um for brown girls like us, but also they wanted to support communities that produce shea nuts, um which is what they use in their products and and. Uh, Burkina Faso which is a very 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 um, uh, poor country in uh, West Africa Um, and so here's how it goes let's see so for yeah for
2: the listeners who don't know why would people why would African-American women need their not, not just women but like why do black people need their own sunscreen like what is it about regular sunscreen that may not work
1: So they said that they were getting complaints um, from customers about hyperpigmentation, which is the uh, discoloration of darker skin due to sun sun exposure. So I get this. I mean, a lot of us get it. Sometimes you'll get hyperpigmentation because of acne. Basically, our scars are darker. Right. Mm-hmm. So if I get a pimple and I don't treat it right, I can get this like dark spot that will last forever. It seems like so. But also, too, I used to play um, tennis and I was always out in the sun and I found that I was also getting dark patches. So hyperpigmentation due to sun exposure. So they said, well, um what you know? What can we do about it? And there's a quote here: a lot of black people don't wear sunblock because they don't see the damage immediately. There is an issue with education around sunscreen in black communities. So true. And even though sun um, skin cancer doesn't affect people of color as much um, as it affects other people, um, it makes it even more dangerous because it's often not caught until it's in its advanced stage. Which I, you know, which is totally true. Um, also, too, she found that. Um, when you know you put on some black, like, we've all had this. If you've got brown skin, um, that it was just like you know, at least like that white mask, you know, like on your skin so it looks kind of weird so the sunblock that they developed it's more like a moisturizer than a sunscreen it's cream colored it's like a serum and it dries clear on your skin instead of that white like film that most sunscreens leave honestly it's it's a lot of reasons why it was hard for me to find a sunscreen because i'm like it because sunscreen lays so thick on my skin and it left me look looking like a Ashy, ashy, because, yeah, yeah. It was really weird, and so I'm just really excited about it because one, the the packaging looks amazing. It's Wait, what's it Bolden, called? Yeah, Bolden, B-O-L-D-E-N, Bolden. Um, it's made with um 100 natural shea oil and vitamin E. Um, it looks like they've got a butter mint, ooh, a sweet vanilla, and unscented. Um, it just honestly, it's looking a little awesome. So I definitely want to try this product. Um, and so, yeah, so Bolden by, um, Chinello Chidozi and Ndidi Obidoa, and I'm just really excited because I would have never thought, like, how genius is that? Hey, sunscreen for women of color. Oh, like, cause you don't, you don't think of sunscreen and, and us together, but you should. And, you know, as I've gotten older, like one of my, um, one of my friends, her name is, uh, Felicia. She's got a brand called This That Beauty, and she, um she really talks about why women of color really need to be using sunscreen because, you know, we think that we don't, but that's just, do we have a natural, melanin is a natural defense against the sun's damage? Certainly, but it is not the cure-all for all things sun, you know? And so, like, just to see, like, these women, like, this is really innovative. And the fact that this sunscreen not only just addresses, you know, sun protecting you from the some of the sun's damaging rays, but also addressing hyperpigmentation and just moisturizing you so you don't look ashy in these streets, in these beaches. So go get you some Bolden. I think this is awesome.
2: Awesome, Bolden. Mhm. Bolden is it boldenusa.com is that their site? Um I'm, 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 I'm like is it out yet? I
1: feel like I
2: don't see it on their website, but I, this looks like them Two Nigerian women, Bolden. Boldenusa.com.
1: Okay. Yes, it is. Yep. BoldingUSA.com. Yep. Cool. That was a good one. Yeah, it was a good one. A little win. Win for these Nigerian Street.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to do my win this week. I'm going to give a win. I think he was my win Uh, the first, like, few episodes of the podcast because that was when Master of None hit the Netflix airwaves in 2015 and they are back with their new season it just got released on the weekend and you know i watched the entire thing on that rainy saturday um at home but um, this is aziz Zanzari show if you guys don't know called master exactly. of none and it's on netflix and it is just i can't i can't explain I, mean, I feel like if you are a person of color and you live in new york or anywhere really like if you watch this show it is so different and it is so good and it's so clearly written by writers who know what it is like to be um, you know, knows what the experience is like to be a person of color. And not only that they know what it's like to be a person of color, but that they actual hire they actually hire writers who are um like the characters that they're writing. Mm. They hire such a diverse cast and the storytelling is so good. You know, um uh, I don't know if if you have, you have, you haven't watched the new season yet, have you? No, Master I of none. Um so Aziz Ansari plays like this um he plays like a struggling actor in New York. Not he's like a funny struggling actor. He was like famous for doing a Gogurt commercial and um and anyway, but he's kind of like floundering, dating in New York's not working out for him and he has this like really interesting cast of friends. Not cast, but like the types of friends that like you like have in real life. Like he has Um, One of his best friends since childhood is this like super tall um, lesbian woman and then he has his Indian American friends and his family comes on the show a lot. And so he talks about like the immigrant experience and then he does an entire episode around what it was like for his black female lesbian best friend to come out to her mother. There was just – I mean a whole half-hour episode dedicated to – and it was a beautiful episode like – with where Angela Bassett played her mother. Ooh, ooh, and they got the mom from sister sister to yes. play her aunt, which was amazing. Oh, J- Harry? Jack A. Harry?
0: Yes! S. I forgot I her, her name.
2: So when I saw her I screamed. I was like, "Oh my god." Um anyways, but he did a whole episode about his friend Denise and how she came out to her mother, you know, during Thanksgiving and then it tells like the evolution of their relationship and I don't, it's just it's not like any other show out there. And it's just so nice. It's just I don't know, it's just refreshing and it's smart and it's funny as hell. And shout out to Aziz and his staff of writers. And um, this season, he even has an episode where he features um, um, a, a deaf couple. Or no, the woman is deaf, and the the guy they speak. The whole episode is like whenever they're in the scene together, it's completely silent, and they're just doing ASL. And there's captions, and I've never seen anything like that on TV. Um, and I learned a lot just from watching that. And and you know, they're having an argument about their sex life, and it's like he's 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 portraying people in these like really honest and you know, human ways and it feels like I shouldn't have to be that grateful for it in twenty six seventeen, but um it is so different and so fresh and I just I need all y'all to go watch it.
1: I just love that. Like that's what happens when people who look like you write stories about people who look like you.
2: It's I mean I don't it sounds so simple <laughs> and yet it is so like Ah oh, yes. Yeah, it's yes, so right. Like I
1: remember when Damon Wayne not Damon Wayne, look at me. child, you know I'm tired. When Damon um oh he plays Jason Bourne. What's his name? Matt Damon. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Yo, I'm an old lady for real. So Matt Damon <laughs> I said Damon Wayne. <laughs> So, I remember when Matt Damon close, yeah. people were complaining because he was like doing some movie about like I don't know people of color or oh, whatever. he
2: was in a yeah he played a, a, a he was like the white savior in a movie about the of wall of China or something yeah and
1: he was basically like no like representation just basically means they're in the movie they don't have to be writing the script too I'm like are you effing kidding uh, me dude oh I yeah. remember yes, yeah I know remember?
2: what I'm talking about this was when he and Ben Affleck had that show and there yeah. was like I forget what the show was, but they there was like a African, there was like a black woman director who was calling them out for not casting, like yeah, brown people. I to think write. Or, yeah, to write or like be in a show, and he was saying that didn't matter who the writers were. Basically, are
1: you kidding? That if like, you just
2: have them on the screen, it's fine.
1: That that to me, it's like that is so. I mean, it sometimes I want to be like, do you you don't feel the white privilege branded on your chest? Like that is so ridiculous. That's like me saying. I'm going to write a story about what it was like growing up in your household. And I don't even know you. You're like, that would be ridiculous. But that's literally what you're saying. I'm just like, how do people not hear themselves? How do you not hear? I guess it's very difficult when you live in the privilege to kind of see the privilege. But like there was this great um, post today that was floating around Facebook. It was this um, young um, white girl from she was in college. And she was like, I posted this picture. And then she was like, this is white privilege and accent." She was like, I walked around campus with a sword. And everybody thought, how cute, this white girl with the sword. Like, on campus, you know, she was like, I was playing with it. And I was like, I'm the, whatever it, whatever reason she had a sword. Like a real a, sword? A, a real sharp, live sword. <laughs> everybody thought it was cute, taking pictures for the Gram. Meanwhile, I think, a, 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 like, a gentleman was on campus, a, a young black man was on campus and had a glue gun. Shut the whole campus down. Oh, my oh, God. can believe black, that. And I was just like, she's like, so how that is white privilege that I can walk around with a literal sword and a glue gun shuts the campus down because it's in a black hand. And I'm just like, I just don't understand. I'm like, I get it's hard because there's certain privileges that I, I enjoy that sometimes it's hard for me to see because I enjoy them. But like when they're so blatant and obvious in your face, I'm like, are you, are you purposefully obtuse? Or are you just like, I enjoy it too much. I don't want to let it go. You know, like you just, I just don't see how you can think that you writing about a story or a um, or an experience that you have not experienced, how that does not seem weird to you. Like, yeah, I don't know about being this black woman, but I'm going to totally write her story because, I mean, we're all human. Are you crazy? Uh, So just yeah. See, this is why I try not to like I'm just like lately I've just been like, yo, honestly, I'm like, has the world always been like this?
2: Or it has. But, you know, we need – and I think just shows like Master of None, we also had Insecure this year. Yes. They're changing the game and I feel like um, the fact that they're actually hiring diverse writing staff. Like I, I really read the show credits on Aziza's show and either he writes the show on the episode I talked about where it was a story of his um, black lesbian best friend coming out to her family. Like that actress who is a black lesbian in real life – Um, was a co-writer on that episode. So it's like he's giving someone a pen and saying, here, I don't know what it was like. You tell me. That simple act in and of itself is like sadly revolutionary and we need more of it. I was just talking to my best friend as Vietnamese-Chinese mix and she – was going on about she went to see um or there's this this musical on broadway called miss saigon right now which is about a um a vietnamese prostitute who falls in love with a white soldier american mm. soldier during the Viet- vietnam war and like this is my best friend she was a refugee she moved here when she was four her parents brought her here like she's like that's not my experience that's not the kind of sh-, you know and the actress playing this a vietnamese prostitutes filipino you know and the two writers of the play are, are two white guys, you know, of and, course. and she's just, you know, outraged. And she's like, and I'm, and, and we are just like, we need to just write, you know, you need the only way to, to change <coughs> it is they're not going to change. Like people are still going to buy tickets, you know, they're yeah. not going to change. We need to be out there telling our own stories, writing, hiring people that, you know, have personal experience and making sure that it's done right. That's why we
1: have Brown Ambition, honestly. That's why we started this. Remember, Manny, when we started, people were like, black, brown, podcast. What is the- Those words don't go together. <laughs> For real. Because there was like, no, every time like we met people who were in podcasting,
2: they were like, ooh, wow, you guys are like pioneers. Aren't you and- worried about, um, uh, what was, someone asked me, aren't you worried about, um, what's the word? Not marginalizing people, but like. Uh, alienating people like aren't you worried about alienating your audience so you're not gonna get you know a lot of people won't listen because if they feel like it won't it's not for them um no not worried
1: exactly oh you mean like everything else in this world like (laughs) child you don't even like hello every time i look up nothing is for me like you know like that's just the way it goes like nude nude pantyhose what what nude skin colored uh, bandages like I mean, are we not alienated twenty four hours a day? But that's just life, right? But I will say, so
2: many people listen to our show, and I don't think we are alienating people. I think, you know, I I find out that people like just the other day, one of my good girlfriends lives in Missouri. um, Bless her heart, Marissa. Marissa, if you are listening, hey, about to call you out for being a super white girl. Um, (laughs) Listens (laughs) listens to the show. Um, Peruvian friends, Dominican friends, friends all over the place listen to the show, and and I feel like at the end of the day what we're talking about isn't so different but we're women and we and and I think the way that we talk about things is what attracts people to the show and um I think if you let the word brown get yep. in the way then maybe you're not the person we want to be reaching anyway so yeah um I don't know if I said that very eloquently or not
1: but I know what you mean it's like the same thing like people Someone asked me the other day about the Bajanista. They're like, so, like, do you think, like, you know, because I know, like, you just speak to Black women. And I'm like, I don't. But it am I purposefully leaning toward, hey, girl, hey, here's a safe space for you? Hell yeah. But we don't turn anyone away, whether you're a man or woman or whatever. But literally, there there were only a handful of us. Like, everything else, what it didn't make sense for women of color. So yes, I purposefully created what I needed and was like, I just need someone who's going to explain money to me and like a, not a guru, but a girlfriend. Like I am nobody's financial guru. I'm like, girl, so I messed up. Let me tell you how to fix it. Like, I want you to feel like you're talking to me about like, where's the best place to get your hair braided? Cause your hair looks really cute. That's the kind of environment I wanted to create. So no, I'm not like, you know, I don't turn anyone away, but yes, am I, Am I positioned um, to specifically speak to um, Black women? Yes, because I'm a Black woman. Mm -hmm. So I'm speaking just from a voice of a Black woman, meaning that, like, that's who's listening. Like, in the beginning, when I first started The budgetista, I was just like, well, whoever wants to pick it up, here it is. And then it was 99% Black women. And so I was like, well, hey, girl, hey. And so, I mean, because honestly, everything else out there, I mean, even brands that I wanted to work with in the beginning they were excited when i told them like even my early numbers like oh you know we got 2000 on the list and they when they were like send me over your deck and they saw all the brown faces cuz i put brown faces on my on my proposal decks we wouldn't get calls back but the numbers so i'm like and then i would find out like i would go to fincon and find out that some of my other like you know fincon friends who weren't black or people of color and they had way less numbers and they had like all these brands clamoring for them. And I'm like, but well, girl, and they're like, girl, I know you're killing it out here with these brands because you've got three times the numbers I have. And I'm like, yeah, no, I reached out. What's that? What's your contact name? Yeah, that's mine, too. She doesn't return my calls anymore until a major brand, a brown girl from a major brand pulled me to the side and said, girl, I'm in the room. And the room says we there's no money with black women, so we're not doing it. And I'm like, are you kidding me? She's like, no, I'm fighting for us, but I'm the only one in the room. This is a major, major national, huge financial brand. And I'm not going to say their name because they're huge. And I was like so mad. Like, are you kidding me? So even though we've got way more numbers than some of my my counterparts, there's, there, the, the the thought is there's no money with black women. And that pissed me off so bad, man. You have no, even just thinking about it, I'm like, like, I'm hot with anger. And so I was just like, all right, you know what? F it. We're going to do it ourselves. You know what? Because so we're just not going to get any support. That's what you're saying. Okay, we don't need your damn support. And so I purposely was like, we're going to create something that is self-sustaining, that if you guys will, will, will work together, create this movement where we help each other you know, then we could be self-sustaining. And so, like, I would ask them, like, what are some ways that we could sustain this movement? So people were like, put out some books. I'm like, yeah, but anything I put in my book is basically what you can get for free on my blog. They're like, it's okay, we'll buy it anyway. And they did. And then I put the money back into the movement. Enough to sustain myself and enough to sustain so I can present 90% of what I do for free. And honestly, like, I was just telling a brand the other day, they wanted to work with me, and I was asking all these questions, and I could tell they were a bit taken aback, and they were like, you know... A lot of people are really kind of like happy to work with us. And I said, honestly, and I said this verbatim, I'm good on money. What else are you bringing to the table?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: For real, I said that. I said, yeah, I'm good on money. And she was like, I, what? I said, no, I'm good. I mean, you know, I'm not a bajillionaire, but I'm good on money. My community supports the initiatives that keep us running. So I do not have to say yes for money at all. If anything, you can't even touch what my community brings to the table as far as finances. So what are you bringing to the table? I'm not choosing collaborations based upon money. That's not why I work with Magnify Money. It's because Magnify Money is dope. I would do so for free. If I wouldn't work with you for free, then I wouldn't, you know, then I, I wouldn't introduce don't you. Tell them that. I know. But I'm just saying, like, you know, I mean, <laughs> I know, but, I hear you. you know, but it's just like, I don't know. It just gets so frustrating because I just like... I go to bat so hard, like, you know, we go to bat so hard for, for women that look like us. And it's just so disheartening when you see that people don't care. And, you know, and I mean, now they're starting to care because you can't, you know, you can't deny the numbers. They're like, cause well, they girl. did the math
2: and they were like, y'all do have some money.
1: Yeah, exactly. So now, you know, and I try not to be bitter about it. Like when like brands that were like, you know, gone before try to come back now, because to me, if they have something that's good and useful, then it's good and useful. And I try to take my personal, um, you know, my personality my personal feelings out of it but yeah i just i'm just so glad that we do this brown ambition that there's the budget that there's stuff like what aziz is doing and and Issa, and you know ava and you know learning to be to create the things that we want for us i think it's 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 critical and and so on that note let me get off the soapbox I'm like, don't get me started these damn brands. I'm like, oh, you know me. Let me.
2: I'm hungry. How much longer? <laughs> I'm kidding.
1: All right, <laughs> all right, and then we're gonna wrap it up. I'm so sorry, guys. I love I just-
2: outrage, Tiffany. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, because I just I feel like this gets so bad. But I'm like, all right, let me bring it back, reel it on back in. That's what this they came why- to see. <laughs> Give them and what they want. Like, they're like, damn. Okay, Tiffany, I didn't know. Tell them why you mad, son. That's we should have a tell them why you mad, son segment. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> All right, y'all. I'm sorry. I mean, I'm not sorry, but you know, that's,
2: it is. Did you weigh is. yourself out? We did. I'm like sweating now. I'm literally <laughs> sweating. I'm like, I'm hot. <laughs> that's the passion right. we're looking for. No, I completely agree. That's why I just gave you the slow clap. Yes. Oh, all right. So
1: listeners, Brown Ambition family, I hope you enjoyed. It's our super long podcast today.
2: As ever, check us out, podcast.com. And I haven't even looked at iTunes in a while. We're almost at 200 reviews, you guys. That is amazing. Whoa. I remember we used to have like stagnantly forty-five reviews. So <laughs> thank you so much. Um, and if if you guys, I love your notes. We get a lot of messages to our our inbox. Um, if you if you have kind words, love your notes. But go ahead, share the love on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. It, it helps people find the show. It's the reason we get on all these lists for best podcasts for women um, or career and business, which is awesome. So uh, thanks for the love. Keep it coming thank you for the love and happy week I'm gonna go ice my knee now
1: (laughs) I'm gonna ice my body (laughs)